Hello, livestock friends, and welcome to this edition of Before the Bid. This is a podcast dedicated to the livestock sales industry where we go behind the scenes of the operation and speak straight to the sellers. We discuss topics about the important aspects of their operation, location, the people behind the prep work, and talk about some of the animals that will be offered to you, the prospective buyers. Hopefully, you've got your sale catalog close by. You might have to go look through that pile on your desk. But if not, then you're probably like me and driving down the road or busy with chores around the farm. And that's okay, too. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy this segment of Before the Bid. I'm your host, Andy Howell. Welcome, Livestock Friends, to this edition of Before the Bid Podcast. And on this one, we go to Rensselaer, Indiana, and uh, we talk to a guy that he and I have been friends for a long time, known each other for a long time, and we've talked about that a couple times here as we've been putting this one together, how long we've known each other, and uh, uh, I think we went through 4-H and everything else together, seeing each other at State Fair at different shows and things, and kind of stayed in touch here as we've gone along. And man, this guy started out in the semi-breed and has continued with the the semi breed and, and a guy that I admired what they could do with their semi cattle when we would see them out and showing and a guy that I I, I don't want to insult him at all but but came from not a whole lot and he has built a whole great program that uh, he is gonna offer and a guy that everybody was surprised when this came out that they were gonna have a dispersal sale and they're gonna have this dispersal sale on December 11th and they're gonna take these cattle from Rensselaer and they're gonna take them out to Anita Iowa to the cow palace and they are gonna offer those out there again on December 11th and on the phone with me is Brad Hanowich uh, again from Rensselaer and uh, Brad, it's great to have you on the podcast, and I uh, appreciate you helping me get this thing put together. You bet, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, as you said, we've, we've known each other a long time and, and grew up going through 4-H and seeing each other at State Fair and things, and, and always, you know, you never wanted to be in in class with one of the Hanowiches because uh, you knew that uh, trouble was coming for you when, when you were in their class. <laughs> I don't know about that, we, but if we were showing one, we sure tried to win or have them at least looking as good as we could. And I always always admired what you guys did and, and what you guys put together. And, and you've gone on and you're on the farm full-time uh, raising cattle and producing these things. And so you, you just keep going. You've branched away a little from the Simmentals. Yeah, we, um, we got into several other breeds of cattle as well as started a club calf operation. Oh, back in college, you know, I used to be able to go buy a set of steers that were good enough to win something and get them traded, but I figured out pretty quick that I couldn't afford the kind I needed because I didn't have the clientele <laughs> uh, to buy that kind, so we either needed to raise them or I needed to quit fooling with it. And I, like a lot of people, you know, shoot, who don't love a good fat steer or a really cool prospect, and they were fun to work on and challenging to raise and it was something different for me you know when the purebred deal got a little monotonous or a little regular you know i could go over there and and look at something a little more exotic i guess the thing that was cool about raising them you know them things are are pretty much born about what they're going to look like when they're mature cattle whereas some of them purebreds boy i I mean, in a lot of different breeds we've had you don't dare look at them until they're a thousand pounds you know right I think I judged a heifer of yours that you even uh, got fooled by that ended up being pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, uh, 
it was just something neat and fun and different, you know, to be doing both. And then I used a lot of our purebred genetics for a cow base, you know, to build the bubcalf herd off of. And I think that's where we got a lot of our consistency and predictability. I think one of the big questions that, that everybody wants to know, and we're going to get into a lot of different things, but first, let's let's throw this out there, Brad, and, and you've been breeding cattle a long time, had a lot of success, done a lot of good, sold a lot of cattle. Why are you going to disperse this group and, and let everybody else have an opportunity at these cattle and, and not just roll on with them? Well, <laughs> I would be a liar if I said I have been asking myself that same question a lot you know and you're right you mentioned something earlier and you don't have to apologize for it at all I, I am first generation show cattle or purebred cattle right uh, we really did start with nothing mm-hmm. to work that hard and to put that much of yourself and that much passion and that much of your soul and every spare second Every, every extra penny, everything that you ever did to build a cow herd like this, I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. It is one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. And I'll, cattle were my very first love. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the first word I ever said was cow. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad got some cool pictures. I, I guess when you do something like this, if it means that much to you, really, like it, it does mean you start reflecting and I went through my baby album the other night, and most of the pictures of me when I was my son Jackson's age or just a little younger, he's three now, mm-hmm. was I was riding on the tractor fender or standing at the gate looking at my dad's feedlot cattle, where at that time he had just a handful of old commercial cows. and mm-hmm. You know, to, to come that far and learn this thing and build it as a family and take your lumps and have to pick up and move forward when you got beat in the ring or that calf didn't work out or that cow died or this or that. And all them challenges to get to a point like where you are. And I can say this, I am truly satisfied with this cow herd and not because of what they've produced or not because of the banners that they've generated. I'm satisfied because I like to go out and look at them every day. Right. And I can about tell you, you know, like we started calving a few of these, and I told the guy that's here helping today, I said, the thing that makes me the most proud, these are intensively bred club calf matings. Every single cow is calved unassisted. Every single cow is cleaned within five minutes. Oh, wow. And, you know, to get a set of cows that you've called on and selected for that hard to do things like that, that, that's really hard, so... I guess I'm avoiding the question a little bit because I, I don't. <laughs> You're all right. I get it. I get I don't, it. I don't really know exactly how to answer it other than I'll just say it like this. I'm at a crossroads in my life where my very first love has consumed all my time, energy, and attention. Mm-hmm. And that would be this, this cow herd. Mm-hmm. And that was the first big thing I'd ever done in my life spent a lifetime building them. My second and my biggest love is my family. Mm-hmm. And my family trumps my cow herd. They have to take precedence. And right now, I'm just at a point in my life where I can make the decision, but like many other guys out there, 
you know, I, I'm going to work 20, 22 hour days and not see my wife or my son or my parents or my grandparents or my friends or extended family to continue to keep doing this or keep traveling or I need to slow it down a little bit so I have some time with my family and I, the truth is this. We probably don't need to get clear out. I don't want to be clear out, mm -hmm. but I know I can't run an operation this size absolutely by myself mm -hmm. and do every facet of it at 110%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my wife, Lindsay, did not want me to sell them all. And I just told her, I'm like, honey, <laughs> you cannot sell a cow herd this size and sort the best 20 head out of it. Right. I said, so we're going to offer them all. And I build it once. If we choose to do this again someday, you know, hopefully my, and he seems like he really likes it. Hopefully my son will want to do this and it'd be fun to kind of rebuild it as a family and build it with my son the same way that my father built it with me, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that's ultimately my biggest decision is I, I don't like doing anything poorly and I don't like feeling guilty about decisions I've made. And, and honestly, man, I'm just spread so thin with everything we're involved with in our household. Right. That something had to give. And right. I, I had to get uh, some time freed up. And again, I, I sure don't want to do this, but there's literally cows sitting out here, Andy, that need to be flushed. Mm -hmm. They need to have 15, 20, 30 calves a year being born because they are that kind and they are that good mm -hmm. and honestly we're never going to get to them mm -hmm. you know we have to make what we're doing work on limited land resources and for the number of donors at home honestly we need to be running five or six hundred cows to really fully utilize them <laughs> right and that's just not reality here right <laughs> rensselaer indiana is not uh, ideal cow country no and i mean hey <laughs> it don't make a lot of sense to fence 200 bushel <laughs> corn ground right you know so i mean eventually someday probably I, I still love this business and i love this industry and i love a lot of the people in it mm -hmm. it's been extremely good to me and really good to, to my sister and my niece and my nephews as well and it's a tough one, man. I'm not sure. Deep down, I'm I'm not sure that I'm totally settled with doing this, but I know it's <laughs> what I need to do. Right. Guys, I can tell you, Brad and I have talked the last couple of days, and we talked to him oh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he said, I, I don't really want to do this. And uh, Brad, I'll tell on you just a bit. And currently, while we're recording this, he is working on the letter to go in the front of the catalog because it's got to go to print real real quick he said i've put it off so long because i just don't want to write this thing yeah your phone call was perfect timing pal because i had one paragraph done so you got me like a break <laughs> this, this was just right i kind of needed this yeah it, well it's one of them things I, I mean anybody that knows me knows that i'm usually never at a loss for words right and I've always got some kind of smart aleck answer or something funny or, or could elaborate on a point or whatever. I honestly sitting here, what do you say? <laughs> right. 
I mean, it, it's everything you've ever worked for, everything you've ever believed in, sacrificed for. I mean, that that's a, a tough pill. And that, the only silver lining for me is I hope that by doing this, I'm a better, better father and a better husband and a better son and a better grandson and a better uncle and mm-hmm. a brother. And, I, you know, that's really the only reason why I, I've let a dream and a passion outgrow my ability to nurture it the way that it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, and I'll tell on myself here, I mean, there's been times where I, I didn't make the right decision. I put the farm first ahead of my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not who I am at my core. That's not the person that I am or the person that I want to be. So, you know, they make cows every day. Right. Um, hopefully at, at some point, you know, my circumstances change and, and maybe as Jackson gets a little older and can go with me more, we can do it again, you know? Right. But yeah, this letter pretty much sucks. I, I don't want to write it. <laughs> Well, well, we'll hold it off here for just a little bit longer. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> then, then it'll get later in the night because this thing's got to go in tomorrow. Um, yeah, believe me. <laughs> I've got that memo about every five minutes via text message. Right, yeah. Talked about family. If you would, tell us a little uh, about your family and, and about Lindsay and, and some of the great things she's doing and Jackson and tell us about them just a bit. So... My sister Amy and I grew up right here in Rensselaer. I'm actually, I'm sitting in the Shelburne office now, which ironically is next door to the farm I grew up on. I was fortunate enough to get that bought oh, wow. um, coming out of college. So, um, but my sister and I grew up on a diversified row crop and cattle, more commercial and feedlot cattle and commercial, uh, hog operation. And then, um, you know, we're, just the farm family. I mean, we did what everybody does. You get up in the morning and you, you do as good a job as you can do and work as hard as you can. And we didn't really know anything about showing livestock. My mom was from town mm-hmm. and my dad, this is back, I guess I've judged a, a little too. And I didn't really know any different um, until dad explained this, but my dad had three other siblings. They all were 10 year 4-H members that showed hogs and dairy steers. Mm-hmm. And through two species of livestock and basically 40 years, <laughs> they won one blue ribbon. Right. So it wasn't like I, I had a big head start on what we needed to do. And I, you know, I remember my dad asking me, shoot, I couldn't have been seven eight years old he says hey you want to go to a cattle show and i said yeah sure right well where are we going he goes well your sister and your mom are going to go do this or that and he says we're just going to run down here to our county fair mm-hmm. and watch they're showing they're showing cattle today and i'd never been to a show mm-hmm. and i remember walking in that uh that arena and I mean, it's old wooden bleachers, like most of them fairgrounds, you know, and mm-hmm. we dusted us off a spot and I just sat there and was just like awestruck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was love at first sight. And, you know, we've sat through the day, of course, you know, I'm, I'm a kid and <laughs> it's time for ice cream or I'm hungry <laughs> or right. whatever I was doing. And 
we came back and I watched that grand grand steer drive and it just kind of lit something in me. Mm-hmm. Indescribable. Don't, don't know what it was, but my interest was just peaked. And, you know, dad and I talked about it on the way home. There used to be a, a, a local consignment club calf sale right there at that same fairgrounds in Rensselaer. And he says, well, you know, he says, it seems like maybe we ought to try this. He says, why don't we go to this sale? And this was fast forward to October. He says, why don't we go there? So we went and we looked and I will never forget this thing. God, she's got an awesome story too. Uh, the one that I picked out was a white Italian full blood Kenya. <laughs> With a big old black nose and snow white everywhere and shiny black feet. And she was about as tall as a giraffe. <laughs> right. and, that's the, and that's the one I wanted. And uh, we get this heifer bought. Of course, we didn't have a trailer at the time even. Mm-hmm. And uh, dad talked a guy into the sale that he kind of knew of into hauling her home. And oh my gosh, man, I remember dumping her out in this old two by six and railroad tie corral that was about half rotten and one little security light over the top of, it, you know, just enough light to unload her. Mm-hmm. And that thing came out of this guy's trailer. Like she was on fire and hit every single board in that pen. And I thought, Oh my God, dad, what are we like? What is this all about? Mm-hmm. And that heifer stayed in that pen for, I don't remember how long, but, about forever <laughs> and we tried and we tried and we never did get her broke so we made a cow out of her mm-hmm. could not keep her in a fence <laughs> so the long and the short she ended up in my my great uncle's herford cows which was probably my first introduction to purebred cattle mm-hmm. and stayed with them for a while took her up there to get her bred you know and Never did breed, could never get her caught. That one lonely day, she happened to come into this corral that was kind of in the middle of this old hip rough barn. They shut the doors on her, backed the trailer up, and and we hauled my first show heifer off to town. Never did even get to show her. (laughs) So the the next year, we we bought another one, and I, I thought for sure... I was a hundred percent convinced that dad was like really in for it. And I'll, I'll never forget this. So give some perspective on what these cattle are price wise. Now the budget was $350 oh, for wow. this rat tailed gray brockle face percentage scimitol heifer. Wow. Ugly as sin, but I loved her. <laughs> That's all that matters. Dad bid three seventy five, and I thought for sure he was sleeping in the barn. <laughs> and that one we did get broke. Dad actually let me pick a steer out of a group of feeder cattle that he had got in. And so we broke a steer, and then you know, we went back to that same sale and met a guy uh, by the name of Kevin Berkey. Had a really nice black key heifer, <laughs> like most of us in our generation that showed composites they were probably a sugar a mm-hmm. she happened to be one mm-hmm. um, ring around the nose and the whole thing oh no this one was actually black okay but anyways 
So I had my first three cattle I ever showed were Pixie, Dixie, and Jinx. <laughs> Some cartoon that my dad liked growing up. So we named them all that. Mm-hmm. We went to our local county fair open show, and I mean, I got throttled. Mm-hmm. I was last in every class. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of that ring, and I looked at my dad, and I said, that will never happen again. And it just kind of evolved itself from there. Like, you know, Kevin Berkey was uh, very influential uh, on the very beginning of our career. And he pushed me pretty hard, you know, pushed me just to be better. There were times, like, I'd get so mad at him that I wished he'd never come over. <laughs> but he uh, he probably lit that very first fire in me. Mm-hmm. And got me taught, you know, like, hey, this is what we do, and this is why we do it, and you need to be this and that. And he'd come check in a lot. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of before the, you know, the service part of it got, like, so out of control or so big. Right. Kevin was doing that ahead of his time, and I owe him a lot for that. And that really helped me help my sister. And, you know, just like anybody, I mean, we worked at it as a family. Next thing you know, we start building a little cow herd, um, basically retired show heifers, mm -hmm. raised a couple here or there. And then, oh, towards my senior year, um, I had bigger goals. You know, I wanted to show nationally and at the state fair and that. And I'll never forget this. I always wanted a four-wheeler growing up. And my dad promised me if I would win showmanship at the Indiana State Fair <laughs> that he'd buy me a four-wheeler. Mm-hmm. You know, fast forward a little bit, and uh, I got, I went out there, and I won showmanship at the Indiana State Fair, and I walked out, and he gave me a big hug, and, you know, pretty emotional, and probably the biggest thing I'd ever won mm -hmm. at that point, and he grabbed the calf and gave that steer a big hug, and I looked at him, I said, when am I getting my four-wheeler? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the next thing... You know, after that, I mean, we started getting involved in the uh, State Junior Cemetery Association. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, met Barry Westner. So between Barry and uh, Kevin kind of looking in on us and just kept pushing us and fostering that love for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can remember, I don't know how old I was, but Westner had myself and another kid about my age come and help him at Dale Grubbs' Angus sale. That mm -hmm. was the first cow sale I ever worked. Mm -hmm. And uh, learned a lot, had a lot of fun. You know, I thought I was big stuff sleeping on Barry Westner's couch as a kid having a pizza party <laughs> with another guy. And then I got to go see Mr. Grubbs and right. his cattle. And, you know, it just, it just kind of just started building from that. Um, had a lot of, Great people. I mean, awesome people that did not have to give me their time. Mm -hmm. That sure didn't have to give me their attention or energy because it wasn't like we were writing the big checks, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. They had no reason to, to invest in me. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, I met a lot of super cool people mm -hmm. um, in this thing and a lot of great cattlemen. Right. So I, I guess that's kind of my background and what really led me to this point. And I, there's so many people, Andy, I owe a thank you to. I probably shouldn't have mentioned any names because I, I'm going to forget a, a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. 
and if I, I'm not a name dropper, but if I sat here and started listing them, we'd be here for three days. I mean, I owe this whole, this whole industry, everything I got. It's funny how when these guys see, see somebody with a little potential and, and somebody that's got some drive, like I said, I probably shouldn't have said nothing because you didn't come from nothing, but you didn't come from a great big show background and, and you didn't come from all of that, but, but they could see that in you and, and see that you had a work ethic and a drive and, and, uh, um, character to roll with that and, and it's isn't it amazing how these guys will jump in and say yeah i'll i'll kind of help you out here and there wherever i can oh yeah and i've tried to pass that along like i took a i won't say his name if he listens to this he'll know exactly who he is but he got brought to me by another guy that had hung around here a lot and, and put a lot of time and a lot of effort into this place he made that introduction and I took him to Cattlemen's Congress with me last year, and we were driving. I don't know. We were about halfway home, and everybody's tired. and Just out of nowhere. I mean, the truck was dead silent. And he looked at me and goes, man, all I can say is thank you. <laughs> it's just thanks for investing in me. Mm-hmm. You know, and he just described kind of how he felt. And I looked at him, and I, I mean, I wanted to cry. <laughs> and... I just said, man, I got to tell you something. I'm proud of you because you are the least likely person I've ever met in my life to like actually get a hold of this. Mm-hmm. And not because he's not smart or this or that. And there's none of that. It was just, he was trying to take it all in all at once. And just, it was like taking a drink out of a fire hose, you know? Right. And I'm like, I didn't know if you'd ever really absorb it. And I got to be honest with you. I asked him just this past year in Louisville, I said, you know, someday if my kid wants to show, if you want to pay me back, just be there for him. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the things that I love the most about this industry and the way that I came up in it was that right there. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Right. Banners will come and go. Right. People are kind of forever. Absolutely agree. Appreciate all that, and in uh, the background, we could we could tell stories for uh, for weeks. Uh, if <laughs> if they if they listen to a week long podcast, we could we could talk about all those guys. So, but let's let's keep moving and and tell us with your background growing up. You kind of got into the show cattle. You started showing those cattle. You started doing some winning. You started trying to breed better cattle, and, and you enjoy that breeding on those cattle. And what are some of those breeding philosophies that you have? that you've grown to know that if you were going to continue on with this, that, that you would continue on with this cow herd? Well, I've always, and golly, it's hard not to mention names. I'm just, I'm going to keep myself from doing it. But mm-hmm. I was around some of the truly great cowmen and breeders in this deal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my foundation came from, a lot of guys, you know, right, kind of right at the point they were making Semitol cattle black. Mm-hmm. And probably the first lesson I learned from most of these guys was single trait selection mm-hmm. and why and why it is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, we almost, and I say we, I guess I would still identify myself as a Semitol breeder, mm-hmm. but we almost ruined an entirely versatile and very usable breed of cattle by trying to make them a color mm-hmm. you know I, i've actually seen those cattle in their place of origin at about 8700 foot above sea level walking down a mountain in switzerland mm-hmm. 
them things are everything that they said that breed was. It was really cool. One guy leading about 300 cows down this goat path on a mountain that I have no idea how man or beast could crawl up. Mm-hmm. And we went from that <laughs> to, wow, man. Those philosophies and some of the things I learned there was, you know, you head one direction and, and that's fine. But that tunnel vision is basically you're, you're only going to end up at the end of that tunnel. Mm-hmm. There's no other direction you can go with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was a lot of really good lessons learned early as far as having some sort of a baseline to work off of. I guess I've always valued the maternal side mm-hmm. of a pedigree way more than the sire side. Mm-hmm. If you've met my, my wife and my son, you'll know that's true. <laughs> um, true. True story. True story. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of them things like those cows are your baseline of everything, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get into like some graduate level genetics seminar here, but the basis of most genetics is there's, you know, your maternal factor and then your, your sire side, right? Mm-hmm. The maternal factor is a lot more influential in transferable traits mm-hmm. like reproduction and milk and fleshing ability and, and all those things. And there, I mean, there's no doubt bulls contribute something, but right. I guess what I learned how to do early is... I've, I don't ever breed a bull to a cow, ever. Mm-hmm. I always breed a cow to a cow. Mm-hmm. And I won't use a bull unless his mother's good, and I sure won't use a bull unless he's a consistent producer. That was one thing Dad kind of chimed in, you know, about that time we were really starting this, and he said, listen, as long as you get on base, <laughs> right. you'll always be in business. Mm-hmm. And he related it to baseball for me. He says, look at these home run hitters. You know, their batting average is like a 100 or a 150. Or, but this guy that's hitting doubles and triples all the time, you know, he's batting four or 500. Mm-hmm. Well, who gets on base more? And, you know, where's your dollars coming from? So I've tried to just stay pretty simple, mm-hmm. you know, with that philosophy and keep the cattle practically good first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, start putting some extras in them, like adding a little more look or a little more build or a little more bone or a little more hair or, you know, in a lot of cases, different breeds we've messed with, different color or whatever. But the baseline's always been the same. Sound practical cattle that can live in a high forage environment, breed back, raise a calf or flush or the one thing I've had to do here in well, I've said this a lot when we were selling cattle. I'd, I'd tell guys at different times, you know, this one's good enough to make a steer or a purebred. Mm-hmm. She could raise a bull, a female, or a steer. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to find cattle that were versatile like that, and we've tried to propagate them. And I think by doing that, like, it, it was actually as gratifying getting this catalog together. Because when you layer that many generations of cow families on top of each other and you see some of them, I mean, some of these cow families we're breeding on are over 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And 
that far down the line, they're better than they were when we started. You know, that, that's kind of the idea behind genetic progress. Right. I asked a good friend of mine a while back. I had an, an old donor that I loved. I mean, I absolutely loved her. And she was 23 years old. Wow. She was dying of, uh, she had like a, a thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. And I just, I couldn't stand it no more. I wasn't going to make her suffer and whatever. So before I had the vet come out and put her down, I asked him, I said, well, you know, I'll clone that cow. And he says, why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, what do you mean? You know, she's this and that and I over this and she's bought this and that and on and on. And he goes, don't you have daughters? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, yeah, not enough. And he goes, well, flush a daughter mm-hmm. he says if you don't have a daughter good enough to replace that cow then that cow's not as good as you think you are save your money right and i i'd never heard it put like that mm-hmm. but he's exactly right right you know you mentioned one earlier you were trying to find a tag number or whatever on my dropbox and was like well this or that and i'm like no that's that daughter mm-hmm. daughter's better than mama i mean that's how it's supposed to work isn't it right yep that, those are just some of the basic philosophies that I've tried. And then like, you know, as far as these embryo transplant cattle, boy, that's like one thing that hits a nerve with me, I guess. Like you'll hear different guys say, well, she's just a recip. Why would you keep a cow around like that? Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess, and, and I've not been afforded the luxury of having you know, extra land mass and resources. So we've had to, we've had to keep our deal pretty tight. Like mm-hmm. I don't even consider most of these cows recips. I, I consider them cows that carry a, an embryo of another cow or hell. I, I just did it this last year. You know, we had the, the mother to one of the steers that had a really big run last year just weaned an embryo calf of another cow <laughs> and then while that calf was nursing her i was ivf flushing her oh wow so i guess i've tried to get these cows good enough that none of them are immune or too good to carry another one's egg right but i always wanted the ability to turn out a really good not a cleanup bull i don't think i've ever owned a cleanup bull since probably i was 14 15 years old and we were just getting started right we've tried to have herd sires mm-hmm. you know and it, it's nice when you can open the gate on one that you're flushing cows to anyway mm-hmm. so but that bull can't do it himself so you better have them recips as good as as your best ones and i've tried to do that and I, again i won't mention his name but i've had some great conversations with a guy i really respect and <laughs> we're on the same philosophy he says my donors are for sale every day but my recepts are not <laughs> right and I, I just think there's a lot of guys don't put enough value on that end of it absolutely agree and and people have seen they've seen the backdrop pictures with your steers and your clubbies and and those kind of things that have done some good and and I guess some of my thought is if if they just see the pictures and things of of what you're doing they they kind of have that thought that, you know, he's, he's a club calf breeder, but, but you're not a club calf breeder. You don't consider yourself a club calf breeder, right? Not really. I just consider myself a, a cattle breeder and honestly a survivor. Mm-hmm. 
I live in the middle of a cornfield. Mm -hmm. I live in a part of the country where you're not supposed to do this full time for your sole source of income. Mm -hmm. We don't sell commercial bulls because we can't. Right. I, I can't do it and be profitable. Right. I mean, we can sell them, but you end up losing money on them. Mm hmm. Which is why we started raising steer cattle in the first place. Mm hmm. I mean, unless I've got a bull, and, and we've been fortunate enough to raise a few bulls like that, but you can't count on having a national champion purebred bull calf born every year. Right. Or I couldn't. Um, so what do I do with the rest of them kind of thing? And I, I guess that's where the steer deal came in. I don't really identify as, and I guess you've seen me judge shows or heard me talk at the end of the thing. I, I don't know that I have a specific type, mm -hmm. right? Like we sell cattle to just about every single state in this country. And we still sell some into Canada, different builds and different kinds fit different scenarios. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to keep some versatility in this set of cows because I didn't ever know where my next customer was coming from. Mm -hmm. I didn't know like what, period of the year these guys were going to breed cows or need to have a fat steer finished or you don't know so like i guess i don't i don't really know how to answer that other than i've just tried to stay versatile enough to where you know i could go about any direction with these if i needed to mm -hmm. but still keep them practical enough maybe somebody would want to buy them mm -hmm. and and we were talking earlier you think that has a lot to do with with some of your club calf success is that is that you've you've kept breeding them like cows and and breeding them for that and the the steers have kind of come along uh, pretty well i mean i'm not even going to identify the part of the country i'll just tell you like <laughs> back in college when i was trying to find trading cattle mm -hmm. you know we didn't i mean these cows that we had at that time were intensively bred purebred semis with a lot of epds and numbers there wasn't no way them cows were ever going to make a steer mm -hmm. no way they weren't bred for it so i had to go buy a few and, and try to find some and i just remember and i gotta be careful here because i don't want to call bulls out or i don't want to call areas of the country out or nothing but i remember pulling into places where you would see a hundred of them out of the same bull right mm-hmm and not find one mm -hmm. and then you'd go to the next place and you might see 10 out of the same bull and eight of the 10 of them you wanted to own mm -hmm. and then you'd go to the next place and you would see you know they might be selling two three hundred of these things but there's 50 60 different sire groups and then you'd go ask to see the rest of them in a feedlot and you just you wanted to cry for them mm-hmm like them cattle weren't even going to make feeder cattle. I, I learned a pretty important lesson there about breeding cattle then. And it's like, you know, intensively, and it don't matter. It's not club calf genetics. It's crossbred hogs, crossbred sheep, crossbred mm -hmm. anything on the planet. You know, a purebred made it to a purebred is one times one. Mm -hmm. That equals one. An eight-way cross <laughs> bred to an eight-way cross equals 64. Mm -hmm. I'm not real smart, but I would rather know that I've got one option versus 64 possibilities of an outcome. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess like as we started trying to breed these, I, I used the same philosophy and disciplines that we did with the purebred cattle. And I tried to isolate those potent females that actually produced and were consistent and this and that. And I, Hey, I've got one old cow. I think you said you wanted to talk about her later, but to this day, I don't have a freaking clue what she is. Really. I don't I have no idea. Mm-hmm. There's one person that remembers this bull that she was out of, and that's because his neighbor raised him. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I have no idea what she is really, but here's what I do know. By dumb luck, I was able to own this cow. By happens chance, she happened to be clean from every genetic defect on the planet. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, <laughs> she breeds as consistent or more consistent than probably any purebred cow I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to be straight up. I, I'm not smart. I was just real, real lucky to have that cow. Mm-hmm. The only thing I did smart on her was just realize what she actually had and breed on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess, you know, like that was always my mindset on all this is, and you're going to have to get outside of the box on these things a little bit to right. make them cool enough or whatever, but right. you still better have a baseline. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a guy trying to live in a part of the world that says you shouldn't be doing this <laughs> right? And, and make it work. You know, that's just some of, some of the things we've tried to stick to. Uh, it seemed to have worked very well, and uh, I think when you look at the lineup for this sale, uh, I've seen the the pictures and things of some of these, and and man, what a set uh, that you have, and and what a set of donors that that you've ran with and and bred on and and done some great things with, and and we're let's talk about a few of those, Brad. Does that sound all right? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about let's talk about the ten fourteen cow. I actually just kind of. <laughs> What are they? I kind of foreshadowed her a little bit there. Yeah, right. Let's talk uh, about her. The day, and again, I'll keep names and stuff out of this, but the day I found that cow, I actually was not trying to find her. Mm-hmm. I got sent to a place to look at a bull calf, and I had a bull stud that was willing to basically buy the bull for me if I would get him ready and promote him. And then, obviously, you know, that was my part of the bull, and they would collect them and so forth. So I met uh, I met their buyer up there, their rep. He had located this bull and says, let's go look at him. So I, I drive up there and we're looking around and I didn't mind the bull. I mean, I wanted to do something on him, but I seen this old black brockle face cow walk over. It was kind of a rolling pasture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's hard not to romanticize about really good cattle. Mm-hmm. It was like something out of a fairy tale. Here comes this big, stout, sassy, beautiful cow. And I mean, this is, she's walking on a hill a half mile away. Mm-hmm. And you could tell she was that good. Mm-hmm. And she was leading the rest of the cows, you know, to come up there to that gator we were on. I think probably they thought they were getting fed or something. So they came to check us out. And I didn't. I mean, I was actually kind of rude about it. I didn't even want to look at that bull calf anymore. Like, <laughs> I wanted to, I didn't care about him. Right. I wanted to go see her. And uh, say I'll save a lot of that story, but after some hard negotiation, and long and short was I'm buying that cow or, 
you know, I don't want that wool. <laughs> um, finally got that put together. And at that time in her life, that was as big a check as I'd ever wrote on a cow that was that old. Mm-hmm. I should have probably just named her Faith because that's kind of what I bought her on. Mm-hmm. I'll quote two guys here indirectly. I don't feel bad about using my dad's name. I'm not going to say the other guy's name, but that day I bought that cow. I remember something my dad always told me. He said, the ones you can't talk yourself out of, you better figure out a way to own them. Mm-hmm. And the ones you got to talk yourself into, you better turn around and run away as fast as you can. Right. Anytime I followed that advice, and that, that was probably some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. It's, it's paid me and it's worked. Mm-hmm. Anytime I've went against it, I get the reminder from dad, like, well, you <laughs> like learning the hard way, don't you? Right. And right. then I, I had another guy at the time, I, I would tell you, it was the most beautiful set of cows you'd ever see in your life of any breed or color. I mean, he had it going on and we were driving across this pasture and I was, we were having cow discussion and we we're in his feed truck and I got to elaborating on certain genetics and pedigrees and he slams the brakes on and throws this sucker in park and just looks at me. And like, this was one of the most well-spoken polite men you'd ever meet in your life. And like, I hit a nerve with him or something. Cause he looked right at me and he said, you can save every bit of that that you want. I'm going to tell you something and you need to listen real close. The best looking ones always have the best calves every single time. And it don't matter how old they are. It don't matter this, this, or this. And he, he gives me his theory. And I guess, you know, that ran through my mind. And my dad's advice ran through my mind the day I bought that cow. And I didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I called home and I told my the banking was different then. You could do this then. Right. Right. I called home and told my banker. I said, hey, um, here's the deal. I'm writing this check, and it's really big today, and I'm buying four head of cattle, and I need you to cover it. I'll be in tomorrow signing papers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget this. This guy was awesome. This is my first banker. He goes, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that that dollar <laughs> increment, um, <laughs> you, you probably better be here first thing in the morning, huh? Well, I I need that money, so I'm going to need you to go ahead and do that, whatever time you say. Yeah. And I drove home all night straight through the night to be there in time to sign them papers at the bank. Oh, wow. And that cow's got a story, too. We bred on her. I loved her. I knew where I was headed with her. And, you know, I had met Lindsay a few years after I bought that cow and getting ready to get married. You know, my only job was my cow herd. Still is. I uh, was just really kind of getting going good on it, but I mean, no money, man. I was living on macaroni and cheese and hot dogs and <laughs> the good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything that's bad for you, but it's delicious. Right. Um, and I was kind of, you know, thinking maybe I ought to propose to her and I'm like, God, I, I don't want to be the guy that can't buy a decent ring. So I had been propositioned by some guys. We used to have a club calf sale in California and I'd met some guys there that wanted to buy a donor someday. And they happened to call and I called him back and he says, listen, I got X amount. And it was a lot of money. I got X amount of dollars. I want to, uh, I want to buy your best cow. And I had my chance right there. 
because he was all dead set on a different cow than 1014. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I, I can't with a clear conscience tell you at that much money you're making the right decision. And he says, well, which one's the best? And I told him, he says, well, why don't I fly out during your state fair and can you go show her to me? And I said, sure, I, you can look at all of them. Mm-hmm. So he comes up here and he picked her, you know, he picked the good cow or the better cow. And that day, I guess that moment was kind of like this moment, really having a dispersal. Mm-hmm. You believe in one so much and you put that much of yourself in one and then you just let her go. Mm-hmm. But I let her go for a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. Guy wired his money right away. Everything was good. And hey, he was awesome to work with. They were sending calves back to Indiana all the way from Sacramento. Oh, wow. For me to sell. And it, it kind of was like having her here, but that cow had such a big personality. I mean, I missed her. Mm-hmm. So I called him four or five years later and I said, Hey, you remember uh, when you bought her, you told me. Anytime, you know, I ever wanted to buy her back or whatever, let you know. And he says, well, I've been thinking about that. I didn't get you a wedding present. (laughs) He says, how's this, how's this sound? And I mean, he sold me the cow back for 75% less money than he gave. Oh my gosh. I could not believe it. And it was a lot, Andy. I mean, this guy wrote a big check. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that kind of kicked it back off, you know, and man, we've made some daughters out of her now. That cow would be the grandmother or the great-grandmother or the great-great-grandmother of a lot of steers we've had in the top five at a state fair or a major national. I guess her most recent win, she would be great-grandma to the champion prospect steer at the North American last year. Mm -hmm. He was a 121 over 1014, whose mother is a 12 over 1014, who is a direct daughter of 1014. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, there's so many different layers of that cow family and so many different branches to that tree that produce. Uh, she, she's a no-brainer. I, I think I told you earlier, you could breed her to a purple billy goat or a blue duck, and she'd make you look smart. Mm-hmm. I'm just lucky to have had a cow like that. Right. Just a monster. <laughs> oh god a- anybody that loves doing this i i hope for them and i genuinely hope this that they get to experience a female like that sometime in their career mm-hmm. yeah tell us about uh another one that, that i think you like pretty well tell us about this calypso oh that cow's got a story too but it's one that i'm not going to repeat on a podcast <laughs> all i'm going to say is she was purchased for a specific buyer mm-hmm I'm not going to say I got hung out on her, but I got kind of the runaround. Mm-hmm. And I got sick of messing with it. Was sold to another buyer that never made his check right. <laughs> sold to a third buyer that never made his check right. And after three failed attempts at selling this one as a show heifer, I got to thinking about it someday. I said, you know, we do a lot of this thing by faith and, and we do it blindly. Mm-hmm somebody's trying to tell me something mm-hmm. so i just hung her up and i started showing her for myself and didn't even try to sell her uh-huh give her back to the guy's daughter it was her senior year i basically bought her show heifer away from her oh wow for someone else mm-hmm. give her back to them so she could show her at the state fair 
looked incredible. Like when the show good goes dead last in class. I have never had an animal, and it don't matter who was judging it at all. It's it's kind of funny when I get into what that cow's actually done. I mean, last. Mm-hmm. I was never so proud to get beat that bad in my life. <laughs> and we all got her back to the stall and just laughed about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we bring her home, and she has her first calf, and all just kind of wasn't much. We actually bred her to just a, a cleanup bull, little old Angus cleanup bull, but just to get one out of her and didn't expect much. That calf was nice, just a little heifer and whatever. And I, I probably calved that cow three, four years. I mean, I was not focused on her. I was really focused on that 1014 cow. Mm-hmm. So old Calypso kind of about like had been done, you know, as far as trying to sell her, I guess I pushed her to the back burner. Just MAB came out, and I got this wild hair. I'm like, that cow is so exotic, like pencil necked and pot bellied, and her structure is incredible. And just she did things cows shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And he was, I mean, aptly named. You know, that bull was more mass and bone and power than probably any bull we'd seen yet in that steer deal. And like, you know. I always bred opposite extremes. It's like she can make him real good looking. He can really stouten her up, add some hair, and you just, it made sense. Mm-hmm. So we flush her this way. Man, that first flush she had, Andy, we hit him out of the park. Mm-hmm. We had a set of heifer, MAB heifer calves out of that cow that averaged 13.5. Had a set of steers that averaged, uh, it was like 80. 250 8500 something like that but that flush spawned the cleopatra donor uh, and i don't own her we sold her through our bid off sale mm-hmm. um and uh i did retain some flushes so we actually got pregnancies of that good daughter on there but man we won the utah state fair out of that flush and had another calf win a pretty tough county show and then had another sister that was always reserved to that cleopatra and Oh, wow. That just started the ball rolling, and it's amazing. You know, we we flushed that cow different ways. I'm not going to get into all that, but the long and the short is sometime through the course of that cow's lifespan, and this is bad. This is something I should probably know, especially at this point and what we're about to do, but she's won either 11 or 13 state fairs, steer and heifer. Oh, wow. I don't know of many cows ever that have been able to jump across the fence like that. Right. And I guess the last heifer we showed out of her would have won her division in Louisville in the key show. Mm-hmm. Just an awesome cow. She was probably the other one that I was lucky enough to own that uh, you could do about whatever and she'd make you look smart. Mm-hmm. You kind of lucked into both of them. That's yeah, so cool. I mean, <laughs> I, I can tell you that somebody else was really steering that course of action for me because... I mean, I was never the guy that could go to a sale and just buy the one I wanted. Right, know? right. Got very lucky. Was very blessed and fortunate. Mm-hmm. We started doing some cool stuff with those two cows, actually. This is what's a little bit bittersweet, I guess, about a dispersal, is I finally have a set of females that are the combination of 1014 and Calypso. Mm-hmm. Right. That is the direction I was taking this entire cow herd. Mm-hmm. as far as the steer deal mm-hmm. 
and they're five heifers that they're all open heifers that I was holding for late falls or early winter calves. And man, I sure would have liked to bred on them cattle. Mm-hmm. So they, they'll be available there in the sale. So yes, sir. Uh, take yep. those, take those progeny uh, as well. Tell me about this X242. That cow's got a cool story as well. You know, when you're writing footnotes and digging through pedigrees for something like this, I mean, you got to get into it. Mm -hmm. So her grandmother was my last show heifer. Wow. That cow family is officially 24 years old. Mm -hmm. And I mean, probably better today than they were then. Grandma would be an old cow called Starlight. That cow was way, way, way ahead of her time in the semi-deal. And honestly, would be a good one today. Mm-hmm. Just different. She was right on that brink where we were trying to get more body in them. Mm-hmm. But she had all that body plus great big humongous feet and big soft legs. And I mean, wicked good fronted. Purebred cattle like that are, are really hard to make of any breed. And she was way ahead of the curve. That old cow would have won. Our state fair and Scimitar Breeder Sweepstakes, a regional, was reserve at Denver, mm-hmm. won a lot of jackpots. She made several really good daughters, and then 242's mom, we made it starlight to ransom for some half-bloods one time. Kept an awesome heifer calf out of that deal, and then she would have been the mother of X242. We call her Winning Ways. Mm-hmm. God, that cow's been a monumental producer. We've sold heifer calves as high as 50,000. Sold some for 39.5, sold a lot of them for 15 to 20. That cow flushes good, averages like 38 number one embryos. And she's rare. They say you can't do this or you're not supposed to do it. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure not trying to give reproduction advice here, but I do a lot of things out of necessity around here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you IVF that cow or you conventional flusher. She's going to put points on the board for eggs. So mm-hmm. I haven't only ever flushed her, but three times conventional. We've done the rest with uh, drugless IVF. And, man, that's an ex-model cow that looks like she's five. Mm-hmm. Just youthful and athletic. And, you know, I guess for a cow family to last that long, they got to probably have a little bit of that in them. Right, right. But she's been a really good one. Would be a maternal sister to a, a red baldy bull we syndicated a few years ago. We called Drakar. Okay. Never did win the big one, but he was undefeated in his division as a calf and as a big bull. Mm-hmm. At all three majors. So, boy, that bull's made some really, really good females, too. Cool. Yep. That one's been a good one for sure. Good deal. Ah, uh, tell me about this X-710. <laughs> She, I don't know why, and she don't transmit this at all. She was going to be on the dispersal, but because of disposition, mm-hmm. we're not going to haul her out there. I don't think that's good for the cow, and I know it's not good for the people that'll be looking. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd be willing to talk to people afterwards if they wanted to buy her privately, but they need to know up front she's dangerous. That cow's a headhunter. Mm-hmm. I usually don't put up with that at all. But this one is a freak of nature for a purebred. Mm-hmm. Honestly, she's like a purebred Simital version of that Calypso cow would be the best way to describe her. Mm-hmm. Impeccable skeleton, incredible look. One's that pretty necked and flat-shouldered are not supposed to be big-bodied, and she is. Mm-hmm. And 
foot and bone like that, you're not supposed to walk. And that, that cow, <laughs> when she's not running after you, and you can just watch her walk normal, <laughs> that cow's got tremendous flex off of her front feet, which is something a lot of breeds have lost, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. We just finally started flushing her this last year because I finally figured out how to get her safely through a system. Mm-hmm. That cow's taken five or six years of patience just to try to to get her there. Her calves are are great. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got a daughter on the sale that just calved the other day, and shoot, I mean, walk right up to her and do whatever you want to with that baby, and you know, she'll nuzzle that baby and get her up, and she's maternal, but she don't try to kill you. Mm-hmm. Don't know what set that cow off, but that's why we're we're not going to put her on that dispersal. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but progeny out of her for sure. Oh, progeny are awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that cow is for sale, but we're just going to have to do it privately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, again, the liability part of that, that's not fair to anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, uh, that's a good way to go about that, in my opinion. Well, and that cow's got a story, too. She comes from a cow family that was, oh, back in the, the day, you know, when the black semi-bulls were getting popular, there was a bull called XC&E339U that pretty well paved the way on a lot of them better females. And we went up to a dispersal there where the them cattle were bred with intentions of buying those three bulls' mother. Bought another cow on pure faith and that's actually what we called that cow mm-hmm. her ranch tag was 860y and she was just a little pre-starlight era so i guess that's another cow family that we've had around for years and still going on mm-hmm. that would be the, the great great grandmother of that x710 cow mm-hmm. but really good stuff yes. first national champion we ever showed was an 860y daughter my sister won lilyville with her mm-hmm probably the first state fair champion we ever raised a different one out of that same cow so 710 comes from a long line of them i i just wish we we maybe had a better outlook on the world so i could show her to more people <laughs> right right there yeah. will be a daughter there and there's four or five pregnancies i guess i don't have my catalog in front of me but there's a chance to access her at a safe distance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sec- second hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You guys have been making a little storm here with the white ones. This Sarah Ann cow that you guys have. Mm-hmm. That uh <laughs> so I married a girl from Texas. <laughs> and most of them are white or they got big floppy ears. <laughs> um which is a little different for our part of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, Lindsay begged me and begged me to get a good Charlay. Uh-huh. And my dad always swore if we weren't going to have semis, then we were going to raise Charlays. Because uh-huh. he always liked feeding them. And he had a few commercial cows and really liked them. Mm-hmm. So, a buddy and I were, were talking one day and he says, you know, we ought to, buy one of them firewater 064 ones out of the sale and i said yeah probably he goes well, there ain't no probably about it he goes that cow is dominating everything steer and heifer i said well you know what he got anyway long and short we decided to buy two of them we actually bought a pair of heifers that day that were sibs and sold half of one to some guys and that one had a tough time on the ice that winter so we lost her 
the one we ended up with was old Sarah Ann. And all the Lillisan family there in Wisconsin showed her. That's how the cow got her nickname, Sarah Ann. Sarah Lillisan showed her. So mm-hmm. we always tease Sarah with through that heifer. But anyways, oh, did an awesome job with her. I mean, that cow is a show heifer. Oh, I, I don't remember which. She was champion or reserve at the Badger kickoff at her first show and then pretty much never got beat after that. Mm-hmm. Would have been, she wins her division as like third or fourth overall at the National Junior Show, wins the Wisconsin State Fair Charlet deal, champion ALB at World Beef Expo, and then won the Junior Show in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And just been a producer. I mean, we have sold some amazing daughters. Uh, purebred daughters out of outsider them cattle have sold extremely high and very well uh, i think the range on them heifers has been 7750 to 30,000 she calved natural two monopoly had a split set of twins both of them were nice and then uh, did flush her doing god we trust those cattle are really good mm-hmm. just been an awesome producer and i think i told you earlier when you were asking about her like I was looking at her when she was standing at that drive there at the North American. There was like seven divisions of Charlet females out there to pick Grand and Reserve from. Mm-hmm. And I think five of the seven were flush mates to her. Mm-hmm. Just a monster, Jeez. monster cow family. Wow. Again, I guess, you know, I've told you what we've done with her, but really that cow's untapped. Mm-hmm. We haven't probably done enough with that cow for what she is really. Mm-hmm. Would you make a suggestion or two? Would you put that out there? What to do with this cow? Oh, <laughs> about whatever you want, honestly. Okay. okay. Um, somebody much smarter than I reading purebred Charlet cattle. I think it's a clean slate, and the doors are wide open on that one. Mm-hmm. That cow does some things a lot of white ones don't do. Like her hair quality is incredible. Mm-hmm. and her udder quality is really, really good. You know, I, I think she adds a little bit different twist on the purebred side, and then just a general rule of thumb on that pedigree, I mean, you breed them to Monopoly because that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Monopoly Firewater 0641 is one of the most traditional, really good, let's go make some Charlet steer pedigrees or composite heifers that there is. Mm-hmm. And then in God We Trust seems to work on all them white cows. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty much an open open slate on that one. You could do about whatever you wanted to. I always wanted to do a red Angus one time just right. to make some yellow ones. Right. That'd be cool. Oh, just kind of run out of time on everything. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. can understand that. And uh, maybe out of cows and out of resources. Uh, up, yeah. Up where you're well, at. Time, time mostly. Right. So, Brad, any of these other donors you want to talk about, cow families to that are going to be in this sale? That 600 cow is awesome. That one's real, real, real good. She's a half-blood semi-angus. You, you'll see semi-mains or semi-key mains or half-blood semis with some juice in them, you know, that are that stout for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to get a semi-angus that's built like she's intensively crossbred on the bottom side. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get one with that much just stuff to them mm-hmm. and then be that exotic and then come with all them extras. We've sold the heck out of steers out of that cow. Mm-hmm. The cows worked really good to a bull we, we raised here that would actually be a 1014 grandson. We called him Uno. 
sold a lot of dollars worth on that mating. Here I am's worked good on her. Monopoly's worked good on her. She just won that probably again an underutilized cow. Mm-hmm. We truly should have been making some three quarter bloods with her. You know that's what that winning ways cow is. It's a three quarter, and I, I always kind of really liked that spot on them semis because you you can move up to a purebred, or if you're going to try to breed them for steers, you don't get so much purebred in them that they're not exotic enough. You know. Mm-hmm. But that cow's real, real good. There's one heifer calf I'm going to mention. And there's a lot of daughters of donors. Like there's three, four, five, four, I guess. Calypso direct daughters. They're all them would be good and good breeding pieces. But there's one little heifer calf on this sale that I'm going to tell you straight up. I don't know if she'll ever win a show. Mm-hmm. She had a sister that did. Mm-hmm. She had a sister that was fourth overall at the Beef Congress and won crossbreds. But we were fortunate enough that I guess this is a, I don't talk about this cow much because I never got to have her that long. Unfortunately, as a three-year-old, this cow got hit by lightning. Ironically, with the only rain we got all summer. (laughs) Um, But when I went and bought this, uh, we called her Izzy. The day I bought her, I was actually trying to buy her maternal brother, which would have been Monopoly. Mm Mm-hmm. He was a heat wave hazel, and she was a luton out of that hazel cow. was hazel's natural calf. And I guess I got a little theory on that, too. I always kind of thought the naturals were maybe the better ones. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we got her bought, and of course, nobody knew who Monopoly was then. And Man, she had an awesome show career that Izzy Cow did. And Denny Silvera in California would have showed her. Uh, I'm pretty sure that heifer won about everything there was to win on the west coast mm-hmm. sent her back here and we got kind of going on her a little bit honestly only ever got to calve her one time andy mm-hmm. got lucky enough to get her flush to heat wave to make three-quarter sibs to monopoly because by that point he had been promoted and everybody kind of knew and right that first heifer calf that we ever got out of that was that one I mentioned there that got along at the Beef Congress, but there's a full sister to that one on this dispersal. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if she'll ever win a show, and I don't know that it matters. That thing looks like an 800-pound donor, and in my opinion, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, just got all the features of both parents and, and looks a lot like her brother and just good stuff to breed them steers on. Mm-hmm. Probably too little, probably too typey, <laughs> but, <laughs> and she's out there, but I guess I, I built a lot of this cow herd off of females like that, mm-hmm. they just did it right, you know, I think Lindsay named her, I think she calls her uh, own it all, so that's a heifer calf that comes to mind right away, and kind of a forgotten about cow family around here a little, just Again, we just didn't get a chance to really work on her. Mm-hmm. Okay. You going to give us her number? She's called Own It All. Okay. Her ranch number is 05A. Okay. There's another one, I think, too. Again, and I would lump her in the same category. She's an open heifer calf called Here She Is. Mm-hmm. She's a Here I Am out of 12 over 10, 14. All her flushmate brothers sold very, 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 very well this fall. 
Mm-hmm. I think we averaged like 12,000 or something oh, on Jesus. that flush. That would be another one. Again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that one's going to go win this or that. And I'll also tell you, I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good stock. Mm-hmm. Those are, I guess, some of my blue chips or my draft picks on the open heifer side, maybe. Right. Okay. Well, we appreciate that. And I guess some guys are going to be asking, do you have any steers on the sale? Not on the sale. Okay. I'm basically moving <laughs> moving my entire operation and my family to Iowa <laughs> in less than a week now at this point. Mm-hmm. What we've got left for steers, we're just going to price them and sell them. I'll have a pen set up in the back. Okay. I really don't want to draw any attention away from what it is we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But all my help and my family, everybody's going to be out there. So it's a really nice set of holdover steers. Mm-hmm. I really don't want them just hanging out back home, you know, for two and a half weeks by themselves and right. no attention. So right. we're going to take them out there. and It won't be many, just a handful, probably mm-hmm. half a dozen or so. Okay. Well, that sounds good. And you got a little bit of, little bit of something for everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Brad, I want to thank you for getting this put together and, you know, what a what a life-changing event that, that you're getting ready to have. And you've worked your tail off uh, all your life, starting from, from a commercial cow herd, and, and now you've bred up to this and, and playing at, at major shows and, and uh, being very successful at major shows and, and successful at selling these things and, and breeding them. And so uh, just want to want to congratulate you on all of that and wish you luck on this sale, and, and I'm sure – that uh, these guys around the country and and, uh, Canada and wherever else are going to understand what you have uh, in your possession at this time that you're going to offer to them, and and they're going to come and get those and uh, just go off and do great things with them because you started them with a great base. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I've been blessed and fortunate, man. I I got to live my dream, Mm -hmm. and I got to pursue my passion. I'm satisfied with that. If I never, ever do it again, then you know what? At least I could say I did it once. And right. I'm okay with that. Right. Again, I don't even know really how to address a, what you just said. Even I, it's, <laughs> it's an awkward place to be. Right. And there's truly no other reason I'm doing it other than I'm just spread that thin. And I, I really want to focus my attention on my family. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate the nice words, but. I'm looking at it as a positive, and I guess right. the thing that I want to see happen out of all this, especially some of these ones you're really fond of, you, you just hope they go somewhere where those people love them as much as you did. Right. And value them as much as you did, and just let, let these cows go to work for you and let them go do what they were intended to do and bred to do. And they're, they're not an accident. I'm not too proud to send a load of cattle to the yards. Mm-hmm. So they're they're here for a reason and a purpose, and I just hope the next guy enjoys them and can be as profitable as we were with them. Right, right. Well, that's great, and that's you know those guys come in and help you and and got you started, and this may be another one of those ways to for you to help other breeders and and help other guys get started or or continue on what they're doing to continue on what you've done. You bet, and that, that's how I'm gonna view it. It's like I said, it's not the end of it. We're not going to be absent from the, the livestock world, but right. I just needed a little bit of time to, to restructure things here and right. reprioritize a little. So Right. 
Well, the sale again is December 11th, and it is in Anita, Iowa at the Cow Palace. Give us a date. We can check those cattle out. Kind of what we've been telling everybody is December 1st. Okay. You know, we've got a great set of sales consultants, too, Andy. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are top-notch. And I guess I, I'll tell you this, too, while we're talking on that. The reason I hired these guys is they're not afraid to tell you I don't like that one. Mm-hmm. That's not how I want to have a dispersal. I don't want somebody to buy something they don't like. Right. That's not how I want this thing to move forward. So they'll give you an honest, unbiased opinion, and we'll have enough personnel around there. Like, you know, if somebody wants to do a FaceTime real quick, assuming we'll have good enough cell phone service. Right. Or a quick little video or something along that lines. I, you know, everybody's more than happy to do that. So if they can't make it, you know, lean on lean on those guys that are there representing us. Mm-hmm. Where will they be able to find the catalog when it gets out there? Most likely it'll be out before the, the podcast will. But uh, where can they go to see that? Uh, CCI Live will do the live internet bidding. And there will be a, uh, a digital version of that catalog up on their website. Okay. I will also post a link on my personal Facebook page as well as our Hanawich Cattle Company page. Okay. And then I, I don't know if anybody, we haven't updated our website in so long. I don't know if anybody even looks at it anymore. Okay. Um, but I would say just social media there. And then we're also going to put in a link to request a sale catalog. And the one thing I would ask and I appreciate the overwhelming amount of support. And the only reason I'd say it like this is just to be sure I don't forget you. But we've got sale catalog requests coming in via Snapchat, Facebook <laughs> Messenger, text messages, voicemails. Right. Uh, and I'm trying to keep up, but it's hard when it's coming from that many directions. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to just put up a link to like a portal where you can actually fill a form out and then... Mm-hmm. It's right there, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So that just simplifies things on our end and, and just make sure we don't forget anyone. Right, right. Okay, well, that sounds great. Yeah, and as you say, CCI Live. So if you want to bid uh, that way, you can uh, through CCI Live as well if you can't make it to the sale. And then also uh, the show circuit will be doing a view-only listing, and all that information will be there as well. Okay, a lot of places you can find that. You bet. Good. Yeah. And you guys have some stuff that you've put up on your personal Facebook page and different things and videos and and things should be out very shortly as as far as when we're recording. So probably they'll be out uh, already when you're listening to this. So uh, look and find those as well. You bet. What time of day does this thing start? Uh, Two in the afternoon. Okay. We We will have a lunch there at noon. Okay. And then I do not function without coffee in the mornings, <laughs> so <laughs> there will for sure be a coffee pot or three or four on there in the office. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful place. I'm very fortunate to have Chance and Ashley Will let us do this there. They've got a, an outstanding facility and great hosts, and I, it's, it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice venue to do this. So. Right. And this thing may run a little late. You got, you're going to have quite a few head. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I'm not even sure how many lots there are. That's kind of Lindy's department. I, I'm going <laughs> to tell you a little over a hundred head. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Okay. And we will do some frozen embryo stuff there as well. So cool. That's great. Appreciate it, Brad. Hey, thank you, sir. I appreciate the invite. Oh, you're very welcome. Appreciate having good guys on the great operations. We appreciate that. So, again, guys, December 11th, the Cow Palace in Nita, Iowa. Starts at 2 o'clock, CCI Live, or be there. And uh, go find everything on Brad Hanwich's Facebook page or uh, their Hanwich Cattle Company Facebook page. If you're not watching the podcast video, be sure to do that. You can find that on our Facebook page. You can find that on our YouTube channel. And get a hold of Brad if you need anything or all those guys that he has helping him out. So we appreciate that. And we want to thank you for listening to another edition of Before the Bid Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Before the Bid. For more information and to learn more about upcoming podcasts and sales, visit us at beforethebid.podbean.com or Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram pages. For information on being a guest on Before the Bid, please email us at beforethebid at gmail.com or one of our social media pages. Remember, that's beforethebid at gmail.com. Happy sales to you, and we will talk to you next time on before the bid.